Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Anybody having a good good Christmas time right now? Everybody everybody eating more than we should? I'm either going to have to get new pants or we're going to have to have a serious New Year's resolution here. We've been enjoying ourselves, enjoying family. My, as much as you can, you know, my, my sister-in-law just came into town uh, on Friday night. So, you know, I've had to really carry that burden for the last day. But, you know, we'll get through that. The only shame of that is is that she's not here to hear that right now. But be, be assured I will tell her. I will let her know that I spoke about her today, this morning. I love my sister-in-law and my nephew. They're in town, and I know that many of you have family in town or you are, uh, you are getting ready to go to be with family uh, whenever that, that happens. And, and uh, we hope, I hope that you have a good time. I hope that you have an amazing time. If you will this morning, I'm going to dive into this, uh, the book of Galatians chapter 5. The book of Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 17. Verses 13 through 17. During this time, I want to thank you. Sometimes I get, I get busy and I, get, I, I have a one-track mind and, and I kind of take off. Uh, but I want to thank you all and I want to thank Brother and Sister Grant for having us here during this time. And we appreciate that so very much. And so... I just wanted to let you all know that that my family and I appreciate uh, being here uh, and being with you, and we feel like there's some great things that's been happening. Amen? Uh, some awesome stuff that's been going on. So uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 17, if you remember, now I'm not going to get anybody to raise hands this morning. Does anybody remember what I spoke on last Sunday morning? I didn't say you had to raise your hand now. That way everybody's on the same playing field right there. But last week, and I'm just going to kind of, I'm, I'm just going to very shortly, it was basically taking up your cross. I was talking about the yielding of the cross, uh, taking up your cross and following me, that it is my cross that I have to take up, not another's, not somebody else's. Somebody else's cross might be different than my cross. But I have to take up my cross and follow him, denying our flesh, denying our, our, our fleshly desires. And then the last part was that the cross, whenever you have a cross, the cross removes from you the part of you that will hold you back from your future. The cross has a tendency of stripping away from us what is going to be contrary to our future. Amen. And so uh, this week and last week, I have been feeling to, uh, to stay in Galatians chapter 5, but the Lord began to put this within my mind as well. And so I want to read this Galatians 5 13 through 17. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And verse number 16 and 17 was where I felt to stay, and then the Lord impressed upon me 13 as well. But 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. I want to preach upon this topic, if you will, uh, walking with the Spirit and giving no occasion for the flesh. I want you to just say that back to me right now. No occasion for the flesh. No occasion for the flesh. Can you put your Bibles down? Let's just ask the Lord to touch this teaching this morning. Lord God, we come before you right now. We ask that you would bless this. We ask that you would anoint this by your hand and in your name. Lord, we are here to follow after your will. We are here to perform your desire. We are not here for what we can get. We are here for what we can give and how we can be of service unto you. Lord, teach us and guide us. Teach us thy way, O Lord, and lead us in a plain path. Mighty God, anoint this service and these services this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody said amen. You can be seated this morning. That's perfect right there, brother. Thank you so much. So when we look into this... main service, but the Lord, the Lord stopped me for a few moments as I was looking into verse 16 and 17, and verse 16 and 17, going through it, it says, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would, but the Lord, I felt an impression that verse number 13 stood out as well. And 13 goes hand in hand as well with it. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, Paul is speaking uh, a direct truth to people, to the Galatians in this moment. What he is trying to describe unto them is the difference between living under the law and living under grace. And so for them, all they had known was the law. Everything that they had knowledge of, the way that they approached God, was all due and was all operated under the law. They knew the do's and they knew the do-nots. They knew uh, the recompenses that would pay, be paid. If you steal an animal, you will pay back that for that animal. And uh, if you steal this or if you take this and all of the different items of the law that they lived by daily. And so when the law was there, in fact, Paul says that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to grace. Amen? And so in this point in time, Paul is simply speaking to them and he is reminding them through the book of Galatians 
if you notice a theme throughout the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to people that have received truth and then they have turned back away from that truth. Now, it was not that the Galatians had turned away from Christ, but they had turned away from grace. They had turned away from the way that we approach unto God. And so uh, Paul would even speak to the Galatians and say, Who hath bewitched thee? Who has entered in that you have turned back away from the gospel of grace? Why is it that you believed and you were doing so well, but now you are not living the same way? You have turned back and you are grabbing a hold of items of the law and you are mixing the obedience of the law in the letter and living for Jesus Christ. And so that would sound like, well, if one thing's good, then two things should be great, right? But in this, the Lord, you cannot live by the law, if you will, and live by grace. And so Paul is speaking to them and saying, You cannot live by both of them. You either choose grace or you choose the law. Amen? Amen? And so with this, something stood out to me because the idea that Paul is trying to get across is telling them, guys, your salvation is not in your deeds or in what you have done. Your salvation is is not in that if you've washed your hands a certain amount of times or, 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 or you have obeyed the ceremonial rites of the law. That's not where your salvation is coming from. But your salvation is to come from grace. It is brought to us by the sacrifice of someone else. My sacrifice never bought grace, but his did. Amen? And so we see that and some of you might start getting a little cringy when I start talking about that we are only saved by grace and we are not saved by the law. And we all understand that that the law was not something to be simply done away with. But the ceremonial rites and the ceremonial operation of the law was to be done away with. Amen? And I believe that we have confused the Old Testament law with morals. Amen? Morals are morals. Principles and godly principles are principles. But the law was a totally different thing. And so I want you to see what the Lord began to show me this last week. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Now that is beautiful right there, is it not? We have been called unto freedom. We've been called unto liberty. We've been called unto freedom. All right? You are not under the law any longer. Correct? But then he speaks this, and he says, Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. So you are free from the law, And you have been called unto liberty, but your liberty is not to be used for an occasion to the flesh. All right? Now let me jump into this for a few moments. What Paul was saying is this. Liberty was never to be used to please our fleshly desires. Now as a young man, I believe this and and I would 
I, I, I never had an understanding of grace, so when I heard of grace, immediately I assumed that grace would cover my sin, and it does. Amen? Grace covers everything. But Paul would simply say it like this, because grace abounds, should we continue therefore in sin? God forbid. Grace was never meant to be used as a way for us to sin and do what we want and escape the punishment thereof. That was never what grace was about. See, we confuse, we, and I've heard some that say, well, we don't preach grace enough, and I would agree. We need to preach grace. Grace has to be preached. I believe in grace. I'm saved by grace, amen? But what I've got to make sure that I do is not to use grace. Now, there's a difference between grace being there when I need it, when I'm trying to live a godly life, and grace making up the difference and filling in the gap for things that I can't do, right? There's a difference. And then there's a difference between me using grace. Amen? Now, what would be the difference, Brother Carney? The difference is this. Because I know that grace exists there, I'll go ahead and do what I want to do knowing that he has to forgive me. It's kind of like using your mother and father's graces. Now, your children aren't in here right now for me to really help you out this morning. But if you want me to repeat it in the main service just so that they know that they're not supposed to do this, I'm taking bids on that after the service. We'll just see how bad you need it. Amen? But so it's like using your father's grace because you know that he has to love you. It's like using your mother's grace because you know that she's got to love you, correct? And so when Paul begins to go into this, he says, don't use this liberty to please your fleshly desires. Now, your liberty is from that which would oppress the spirit. Now, when I read that, that was powerful because it summed up, we have always heard, I have heard things like Paul when he writes about it and he says, you have liberties, you have Christian liberties. Have you all ever heard that before? Just wave your hand if you've ever heard that terminology. Christian liberties. And Paul would say, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient, right? Paul would say certain things like that that would give somebody the idea that because of grace that we can somehow do whatever we want, that there is no law or rules and regulations that we would live by, correct? Amen? And so when you see this, it gives the understanding of what Paul was trying to describe unto Galatians, unto the Romans, unto, uh, uh, unto these cities and these peoples that were living after God. The liberty that Paul is talking about is from that which would oppress the spirit, not from virtuous restraints commanded on the flesh. Are you with me this morning? You're saying, my Lord, you're not lightening up the whole time. We're waiting for, we're waiting for like a message that, we don't, that we're not getting like bound, like you're, you're messing with us. But I want you to see the beauty of this. The liberty is from that which would oppress the spirit. See, God could not operate in grace if we determined to stay bound to the law. 
Amen. The law oppresses grace. The law does not allow Jesus Christ to operate in the manner of which he desired to operate. Does that make sense? The law stated, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to do these things to obtain your salvation. Now, stay with me. So he says, he, he says the liberty is from that which would oppress the spirit. All right? Now, that freedom from restraint... The whole purpose of his statement was to connect the believer with what only grace could provide. That was his whole purpose. You are called unto liberty. In Galatians 5, 3 and 4, a few verses before that, he says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised. Now, circumcision was a way of Identity and a way of uh, of salvation within the what? Within the what? Within the law. And so they rested within the marks within their body that would identify them and cause them to be saved or to be brought in under the rule of the law. And so Paul goes through and he says, I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, what am I speaking? Listen to what I'm trying to, what the Lord began to show me with this. If you, so circumcision, in Romans chapter 2, he said, circumcision verily profiteth, it profits. The law profits. Keeping yourself on a checklist Prophets, if thou keep the law. But in Galatians, I want you to see what he says. He is a debtor to do the whole law. So in Romans, he says, circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, that means that if you error in doing something in one way, He says that thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. In other words, it doesn't matter what you've done. That thing that you have done uh, no longer provides you access. It's no longer a point of salvation unto you. Amen? He says because if you break one point in the law, you are guilty of all the law. So it does not matter what you're doing in this way. You have kept this Galatians and Romans, you have kept this part of your life and said because this is a point of salvation, uh, you have said you've got to have that in order to have salvation. But listen to what's going on. He is saying if you have that but then you don't do the rest of the law, that thing is made null and void. That thing becomes uncircumcision. Amen? And he says, if the uncircumcision shall keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? What is Paul doing? He is trying to show that it's not about the law. It's not about the ceremonies that were kept that were a part of salvation and access unto God. Okay? And shall not circumcision, if it is by the law, 
and it does the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. Then he says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. Amen. So Paul going back in Galatians 5, 3, and 4, he says, if you keep the law, then you shall be a debtor to the law. Christ has become, again, I testify to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Amen? And so what God is trying to speak here in this instance for you to understand what he is speaking, amen? I'm trying to get us to understand why he said you are called unto liberty and what that liberty actually is, amen? And so he says, if if you live by the letter of the law, I can't help you with my grace, Because you either choose grace, which is liberty, or you choose the law. Amen? You choose one or the other. But you cannot live, O foolish Galatians, in both of them. It doesn't work like that. Because if you choose to to, uh, have security within the works of the law, then grace doesn't provide anything for you. But if you choose to live in grace, it doesn't matter what the law said. I'm getting into my Sunday service message. Grace triumphs over the law. Amen? Grace trumps the judgment. Amen? I'm going to get off that right now so that way I have something to preach for 11 o'clock. Somebody shout amen. And so... Paul says this, you are called unto liberty. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago the Christian liberties. Well, we have Christian liberties. I've sat down with people that have said uh, some people just can't handle their Christian liberties. Christian liberties has almost been a thing of saying, well, you can do whatever you want, and there's no circumstances or there's no consequences for what you've done because of grace, okay? Anybody ever heard something similar to that this morning? You ever heard something like that? We can do whatever we want to because of grace. We've been called into liberty. We're not under the law. We don't have to abide by those rules and regulations that people would put up on us. If you want to do this, you can do that. If you want to do that, you can do whatever you want to do because we are called under grace. We don't have to abide by anything at all. And they would use Paul speaking of this out of context to say that we can live however we want to live. But Paul was not saying you can live however you want to live. He was saying you are freed from the law. Only the law, the ceremonial rights, regulations, the ceremonial practices, uh, the things 
of that nature. And so when he says this, we have, I, I believe that today we have had a misconception uh, 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 of what he's talking about. Now, what he was saying is, I have freedom from the servitude of sin. That's something that grace provides. I'm free from the servitude of sin. No longer am I under the weight of sin. See, before Christ died on the cross of Calvary, we didn't get remission of sins. We sinned and the sin was just rolled back another year. It wasn't until Christ shed his blood on Calvary that we were able to have that applied unto our lives, put it on me, not on just a lamb or an ox or a bullock or a dove. It wasn't about that. Uh, that, was, uh, the, that blood was, was, was put on, on the altar. But now I can have it to put on me. And so when he says, I have come, you are called unto this liberty, he is not talking about a liberty from moral obligations. Never did he say that. This verse right here proves it in verse 13. You are called unto liberty, but give no occasion for the flesh. Don't use your liberty as a way to please what you want to do. Amen? That's Paul's words. The same man that said, we are called unto liberty. You've got liberty. You're not under the law anymore. He also says, don't use that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. For us to get out from under the law, it was only that now we don't have to serve sin. We don't have to be under the weight of sin. We don't have to go through a ceremony and come into a tabernacle someplace and pay some money to a priest and say, hey, I need, I've I, I done some things and I need some forgiveness here. I need, I, I've got this on me. We don't have to do that anymore. Because of grace, I can come before the throne of God. I don't have to wait for a priest to do it. I don't have to have Brother Grant to take my portion up before the Lord. I myself, you yourself, because of grace, because you've been called unto liberty, you can, therefore, we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in time of need. Grace to help in time of need. That's what it's there for. That we're not going through a ceremony to get to Jesus. And some people would say, I still like parts of the ceremony. And the Lord would say, if you like the ceremony, I can't help you. You've either got to choose one of the two. You're either going to live it in your flesh or you're going to live it in your heart. You're either going to do one of the two, amen? And so when Paul is speaking this, I'm trying to stay calm down a little bit, but man, I felt the Holy Ghost there for just a few moments. I, he is calling us. That's what he's calling us into is freedom, freedom from sin. And we have misconstrued it to say, well, because of grace, I can do whatever that I want to. The Christian liberties, amen? The Christian liberties never meant for that we can give occasion or do what is pleasing to the flesh, amen? And so that freedom from, from restraint, there is, there, there's a group of believers or folks that go along this that, that believe along these lines. They are called antinomians. Antino, 
Mayans, Antinomians, Antinomians. I don't know how to say it. I just learned it the other day. Give me a break. All right? But what they taught was that you were released from the moral law that Paul, that that's what Paul was talking about. Obviously, they didn't read their Bible through. You cannot preach that or teach that. You cannot believe that with verse number 13 standing there and verse number 16 and verse number 17 and Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. You cannot believe that in reading the Scripture. You took one point and said, we are called unto liberty. Hallelujah. It is the, it is the, it is the, 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 the exhibit A of poor hermeneutics. It's not the context of the Scripture. Am I right? And so it was freedom to do whatever they wanted to do. Jude 1 and 4 said that there were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. And so Jude is speaking and saying, listen, be careful that there's nobody that tries to come in and to teach you something or preach to you something that is contrary to what the Lord would say. He said, we identified these men of olden times, Sister Grant. We pointed them out. They were wrong then, and they're wrong today. They crept in unawares. They, they gave voice unto the ears of listeners. People heard it, but I'm reminding you guys, Judas saying, that we've already identified them, but what did they do? Verse, verse 4 says that they were turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was going on? There was somebody there that was teaching and saying the grace of God provides us license to do whatever we want to do. And we would know today that's not the case. The liberty that God gave us was never so that we can appease the appetite of the flesh and do whatever we want to do. The liberty was always there so that we might be free from sin, that we might be free from a process of getting to God so that now in grace every single one of you can lift up your hands right now. You can call upon his name. You don't have to wait for somebody to come and pray for you. You can call on his name, say, God, forgive me, and grace writes the check. Grace covers the, the error. That's what it was for. Y'all with me this morning? Am I doing good? I think I'm doing good. That was a little Jeff Arnold thrown in there for y'all. You don't know who that is. Amen? So the whole purpose of this is Paul is saying, you've got liberty. Now don't use that liberty for the flesh. This I say then, verse number 16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Romans 8 and 1 says this. This is powerful. There is therefore 
now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's powerful, isn't it? There is now, therefore, no condemnation. Nobody weighing down, nothing weighing down on me. Nothing that I'm carrying. Condemnation points you to you. Conviction points you to the cross. So when I am convicted of God, I look to Him. When I am under condemnation, I look to myself. You're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You've never been any good. You've never done right. You'll always be like this. You'll never get out of it. That's condemnation, right? But the Lord says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all are in Christ Jesus? Raise your hands. How many of y'all are in Christ Jesus? How many of y'all have ever experienced condemnation before while you've been in Christ Jesus? Don't lie. Raise your hands. Look around. What's the problem then? If he says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, but in my past I have experienced that that scripture's wrong. Because I have lived for God and yet have I experienced and dealt with condemnation. I have been in Christ but yet I have dealt with thoughts I'll never get right. I'll never do good. I'll never get out of this. This is hopeless. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a mistake. I'm such a failure. Anybody else ever have those thoughts? I don't know why I'm even doing this. I'll never be able to stack up. I'll never be able to get there. Now listen, either the scripture's wrong or I've had a wrong understanding. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, to be in Christ with no condemnation, you have to walk according to the Spirit. So if I walk after the Spirit, I won't have condemnation. But if I walk after the flesh, I can have condemnation. And that's the difference. We wonder, well, there's therefore now no condemnation, but God, I'm feeling this condemnation. Why am I feeling that condemnation, Sister Grant? Because I've been walking in my flesh. I've been appeasing my fleshly appetite. I've been doing whatever I wanted to do. I wasn't worried about what God wanted me to do. I was worried about what I wanted to do. Don't get silent now. If you've ever done that, raise your hand. No liars. Excellent, excellent. We're all on the same page then. I like that. I like that. I don't like to feel like I'm the only one that's ever messed up in life. It gives me a complex. It makes me mad and angry. All right? And I got to get over that, okay? So I'm glad I'm here with folks that you've messed up as well. 
And he says, so due to this, due to the existence of the letter to a spirit-filled church, that's part that we don't, Paul is not writing to somebody that has not been saved yet or that has not received the Holy Ghost. He is writing to the church of the Romans. He is writing to that particular uh, area, geographic area, okay? And the only reason for the existence of the letter, now, if they had been walking in the Spirit and nobody had been walking in the flesh, he probably wouldn't have written it down, Sister Grant, because there would have been no need. But he looked in and he said, Hey, guys, you are walking in Christ, but you're dealing with this condemnation. And I'm going to help you out here. You, what you've been doing is you have not been walking uh, after the Spirit. You've been walking after the flesh. But guys, if you will start walking after the Spirit uh, and not after the flesh, uh, you will not have this condemnation within you. Romans said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded uh, is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But if you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What Paul is trying to get across to them is stop walking according to your flesh. We have given you liberty and you have used this liberty and I'm just going to be honest right now. I have used this liberty. I'm just being honest. Before I understood it, I've used this liberty to partake in things that God didn't like. Because, well, grace covers this. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, it does. But that's like walking and turning the blood of Jesus Christ into a doormat. Notice when the blood of the Lamb was applied to the houses when they were in Egypt. Where did the blood go? It went on the sides and across the top. Now, me and my OCD is thinking if you'd only just put one down at the bottom, it'd be a perfect little square. But you're missing a part of the threshold. You're missing that part, but it only went on the sides and over the door. Amen? God's mercy was never meant to be walked on. Amen? So he's saying don't live after your fleshly lust. Now, I want to get to this very quickly. I know that we're almost done, and I want to try to stay to that. But I want to jump into this and say this. I'm not quite done with what I've got, but uh, to walk in that spirit. Now, in Galatians it says that the flesh lusteth against the spirit. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. So right here, and I've got it in my mind, that the way that we deal with our flesh, and I mean no disrespect to the spirit, but the words that he says, the contrary, that word contrary and that, that the word lusteth, that word lusteth comes from two root words, uh, simply meaning like the opposite. And then the other word is to allude to the wine of passion. 
that would drive the drinker mad or kill him. It is that burning. You ever been mad before? You ever been angry? If you're married, you've been angry before. Don't even lie. If you've got kids, you've been angry before. If you've had anything ever happen to you wrong, you've experienced where the root word is coming. It's that burning. It's that consuming passion, that consuming feeling. And so he said, the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. So on the inside of me, my flesh is warring against the spirit. And the same flip side The Spirit is warring against my flesh. The Spirit of God. Both of them are fighting together. They are trying to overcome one another. It's like two toddlers, if you will. I knew that you all would know what I was talking about with this. And I mean no disrespect to the Spirit of God. I'm not trying to allude that the Spirit of God is like a toddler. Not doing that. But you ever seen a toddler try to get your attention? try to beg for your affection, trying to get a hold of you. Anybody ever experienced that before? Do they really ever get that? You can tell them to go away, and what happens? Come on, help me out here this morning. This is audience participation. My wife, she would say it like this. She said, I don't know if I can say this here. I don't, I don't, can I, I, I might, I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about it right now, trying to determine if I should or not. My wife, I'll just say it like this. My wife said, I cannot go anywhere without this child seeking me out. Is that a good way to say it? I think some of you ladies know what I'm talking about too right now. I wasn't going to say it out loud, but okay. I can't go anywhere. It's like they're always there. My wife will come to me at some time, Sister Grant, and she'll go, That's the way your flesh, that's what your flesh is doing to your spirit. And that's what your spirit is doing to your flesh. So how do we walk in the spirit? Being very simple, and I'm going to close this up here in the next few moments. I'm, 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 I'm about a minute over my time. But so how do we do that? And it's very simple. How do we walk in the spirit? How do we give more to the spirit than to the flesh? Simply being, you have to continue to deny the requests of the flesh. You cannot do those things. So the Christian liberties that would be said and spoken of, Paul goes through just a few verses later, and he says, don't use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, okay? Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, which are parties, that's going and cutting a rug late at night, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So how do we deal with that? I've got to shun 
those things that would give pleasure to my flesh. And I'm getting right, I'm, 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 I'm hurrying up as quick as I can. But then in verse number 22 and 23, it shows what the evidence of the Spirit is. The evidence of the flesh are the things that I just read, uh, the things that I just read. Anger, the wrath, malice, envyings, murderings, drunkenness, adultery, fornication. And so then in verse 22 he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so what he's saying is this. If you will stop resisting the Spirit of God, and it's important that at this Christmas time that we end the year as good as we began the year. And he says, if you will stop resisting, he says, walk in the Spirit. I need somebody to help me, and I'm closing in one minute. You will have ten minutes out there. Somebody help me real quick. Come on, bro. Come on Brother Bowie. Step up here. So I'm going to be, you're going to be God, okay? And I need you to walk, all right? Now, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going. I'm going to grab on right here, okay? Now, he said, he said, walk. In the spirit. So that means where the spirit's going, I've got to go. But what we do is we start giving occasion to the flesh, right? So you got to keep walking because you're God. You got to, you've got to deal, okay? You've got to go. You're going a certain place, okay? But what we're doing is we're going like this. And we're going, that's fine, God. But it's not what I wanted to do. It's fine, but it's not what I desired to do. Amen? So he says, walk in the Spirit. Don't, that's, that's no fun. Did you have any fun right there? That's not fun. I don't like walking along with my kids, hanging, I tell them, stop hanging on me. Walk with me. Come on, come on, come on. Hurry up. Stop, no, 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 no. walk faster. Come on. Stop hanging on me. You're wearing me out. Right? So that's what begins to happen. So when we begin to resist the Spirit, when we begin to hold away from it, what does that do? It starts fulfilling the appetite of the flesh. It's what I want to do. It's what I care about. It's what I want. It's all about me, 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 me. And the Lord said, you're going to have to stop resisting my direction." You're going to have to stop resisting my word. Everybody stand to your feet. Hallelujah. If you enjoyed it, shout amen. Can we just, I just want you to bow your heads real quick, and we're going to pray right now. God, Lord, at this Christmas time, the end of the year, Lord, I pray that there would be a move of your spirit that would encompass your people, that during this time, to where there is a lot of distraction, that we would not forget you, Lord, that we would not forget to return and to give you thanks for everything that you have done, to give you thanks for everything that you have provided for the safety and the security, God, that you indeed, that we would walk with you during this time. 
when it is so tempting to begin to go our own way and what we want to do, God, let me be rededicated and let me be refocused for the continuance of this season, God. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. You're dismissed for the next little bit. Thank you so much.